Hey, everybody, what's going on? My name is Justin Fenster, and along with Matt Sells and Ryan Hallam, it's another episode of the Fun Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com, getting you guys ready always to win in fantasy sports and wagering as well. Boys, what's going on? We're getting closer to the holidays, and I'll tell you this. Last night at about 1 a.m., I went to push off on my chair and my chair completely broke. So you know that what I want for Christmas, a new leather chair, my man, because I was falling off my chair during the radio show last night. But that's probably because I was talking so much K.J. Osborne last night, and that's what happened. So what's going on with you, Cels? Oh, well, I don't need a new chair. I That's one thing I don't need <laughs> for the holidays. But holiday you got season. a new laptop, Selzy. I did. Yeah. I did. I'm still, you know, kind of in a transition between working on the desktop and the laptop and splitting time. So hopefully I get that squared away here soon. But uh, no, I'm in the. And you thank the company on every platform, too. What a company guy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, just kind of existing here. Just, you know, waiting for. uh, I'm in pretty good shape in my seasonal fantasy league, my home league with our colleague, Mr. Drew Phelps. Uh, I got second. Um, right now, I'm the number two seed. I need a win this week to clinch the number two seed. Um, but unfortunately, I had to pre-stuff my roster last week because uh, I have like four dudes on buy this week that I didn't want to drop. So I had to uh, evacuate my bench last week and just eat my bench spots for guys that are going to play this week that could sub in for the bench guys. For the for the guys on by this week, so hopefully that plan pays off. Otherwise, what, what about you, Helm? What about you? You eating bench spots at all? I thought he was going to say he's evacuating his bowels. I was wondering where that was going. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. Also, uh, we got a little bit of snow here in New York last night. Not a lot, so that's good. Uh, I I think I heard your chair break last night. I was lucky enough to be on the alarm after I was in. If Matt is talking about. <laughs> His computer and being a company man, I better say that I also got one. So, or else I'll look bad next to him. So, uh, thanks for my computer too. So, uh, I'm 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 just hanging, man. Just hanging, you know, having a Pepper good time. Pepper needs a new chair, Hallam. Pepper needs a new chair. <laughs> you literally, you were on alarm after hours last night. I was on video. You saw me break. Did you actually see me break the chair, or did you just see me make like a jerk motion in my seat? The jerk motion. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, uh oh. Because I thought I was like the arms literally collapsed and I nearly fell over and I grabbed the edge of the table to do so. And then the best part was, and I'm surprised there's no video floating around. When I went to go change the chair, it was like something out of a Charlie Chaplin flick where I nearly knocked over my entire green screen. Oh, my God. And yeah, so got to love that. It's just. Got to love when you have those uh, technology issues sometimes, or even when it's not technology issue, an actual piece of furniture. But we've all got some issues here because there are a lot of injuries around the NFL. There are a lot of players where we saw them have good weeks where I'm kind of like slow down. For instance, two that come to mind, one that isn't playing this week. First of all, Dallas Goddard. I know everybody's all happy about Dallas Goddard, but let's all pump the brakes for a second because he kind of sucked when Jalen Hurts was the quarterback, and Jalen Hurts will be starting in week 15 after the bye. So here's why I'm bringing this up right now, guys, is because I don't want everyone to be complacent thinking, oh, Goddard, he's back, he had a good week because he's a different quarterback, and we know that Jalen Hurts is hella inaccurate cells. 
Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue. It's not that Hertz doesn't like Goddard. It's that he just can't throw it accurately. And that's why the front office in Philly is split on him, too. If you've seen the reports coming out of Philly this week about how the GM likes him and the owner doesn't or vice versa and the, you know, the coach is still kind of unsure about him. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter that they gave Goddard an extension. You would think that that would, you know, boost his performance. They'd want to get the guy they just signed to a multi-year deal uh, the ball, but their quarterback can't accurately throw it to him. So um, it's not even a matchup-based issue. It's just Jalen Hurts' arm can't accurately find the people he's supposed to be throwing to unless it's, uh, you know, Devonta Smith. And what complicates that is that the, the confidence they don't have him, they just don't let him throw. So it wasn't right. the Mac Jones three attempts from Monday night, but Hertz doesn't necessarily even throw it 20 times a game. So, I mean, there's only limited opportunities. The only good thing for Goddard is there's only one decent wide receiver on the team, so there's not a lot of places for the ball to go around. It has a chance of good games from time to time, but it's just limited when the quarterback throws it 17 times. Right, and the return of Miles Sanders is really hampered Hertz's throwing, right? Like, we've seen the volume to Miles Sanders go up every week since he's come As back. As it should be. It should have been oh, this yeah. the whole time. Yeah, it's not hard to figure out that the guy you drafted in, what, the second? It was their second-round pick a couple of years ago? Like, you should probably be giving that guy the football. Right, and, and that's a whole other thing. Sirianni. But I'll just say this. The other player that comes to mind as well sells – Javante Williams, because Melvin Gordon is recovering. So it's, I feel like a lot of people, recency bias becomes very, very rampant, especially around this time. Why? Because it's playoff time for fantasy football. It's not about necessarily where you drafted these guys anymore and your ride or die. It's who has been producing right now. Who has been producing consistently enough where right now we can rely on them? We might be playing from behind. There will be a lot more pretenders in the first round of the playoffs than contenders. So with that, we need guys that are going to get high volume. We need players that are going to score 15 to 20 points in a PPR locked in. And with that, as much as I want to give Javante Williams the keys to the kingdom, if Melvin Gordon's out there, how do I just go out there and be flavor of the week and be like, Javante? Well, so that's a good point that, that Melvin Gordon is coming back. I don't know that he'll get his full snap load back this week, even if he's active, because he was coming off two different injuries, right? It wasn't the same one that held him out last week. It was a new one. It's a shoulder, which is immensely trickier to deal with with a running back. I will say the matchup this week against Detroit is pretty tasty because Detroit's rush defense is not very good. They allow like the third most yards per game on the ground. Um, and at home in, you know, this time of year, there's also supposed to be some snowy weather coming through this part of the country this weekend, um, which may help the run game. I think that Javonta Williams is fine. I think he'll get the bigger share of the carries this week also by the way when melvin gordon was healthy when they got closer to the goal line it was javonta williams that was getting the red zone carries earlier this year so i think if you're looking for touchdown upside i think it's it's javonta williams over melvin gordon and they throw to both guys out of the backfield so he gets you some some extra action in the ppr league so 
I, you know, obviously he's not going to do what he did last week, the 100 yards and all the catches and, you know, the 20-whatever points he ended up with. I still think he's startable, you know, especially, you know, with, uh, there's four teams on bye this week. Last week of bye weeks, everybody, hooray. Uh, of course, most of you probably eliminated by the time bye weeks are over. But anyway, it's near the, here nor there. But uh, I still throw, I'm still throwing Javante into the couple of rosters I have him on. Uh, hoping, like Sal said, for the touchdown. If not, at least hoping for three, four catches and, and you know, like maybe 60, 70, 80 total yards and coming out of it okay. But uh, it's, yeah, certainly I, I agree that, you know, Gordon will probably be eased back in a little bit. But, you know, every year there's someone that, that the folks on Twitter grab onto and it doesn't matter how poorly they perform. Uh, you know, this week is going to be the week. And this year it's been Javante Williams. But it looks like he's going to have a decent down the stretch and, and, uh, Hopefully, help you all into the playoffs. Someone that I don't know if is going to be fully helping us get into the playoffs, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, how do you guys feel about this? Because we have not been given really any official inclination that he's going to be limited. I talked with Adam Ronis extensively about this on Alarm After Hours on Sirius XM last night. And we were talking about this a week ago, too. And... With that, it's I feel like people are going to be a little bit paranoid because of the headlines they've been reading. And we've seen some players play through injuries and struggle to have that extra burst. I don't know. All of a sudden, I guess Antonio Gibson has had enough time to heal. I mean, from when we saw their bye afterwards, then he was much better. He was a much different player. But now when it comes to someone like Zeke, still not getting that vibe that they're going to necessarily limit him. And if that volume is there and we can see him getting 12 to 15 carries, you can't really bench the guy. No. And geez, just a couple of minutes ago, it came that Pollard tore his plantar fascia. Uh, so he's now, he's now a game time call for Sunday. So if Pollard's not in there, that changes wait, everything. Wait, 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 wait. He's not a wait, game time saying, call. He's done. It. Well, I'm just telling you that's the, yeah, the, no way. the current game tweet time decision if he tore it. That's a that that right there. It's a season ending injury. That could keep him out for ten months. Go to I'm just going to NBC Sports Edge Twitter. Just popped across my phone a second ago. Wow. Uh, you know what? I think we weren't gonna do this before, guys, but I think it's now it's a good time to give context as to when we're recording this podcast. This is Thursday at about two twenty PM Eastern. And, I mean, I saw that he was hurt. I didn't realize it was that bad. If he it's, tore it, Hallam, he's done. And then probably part done. of the next Listen, I, for, for context, for those who don't know, the plantar fascia is the muscle that runs all the way along the bottom of your foot. And I suffer from plantar fasciitis from time to time. That's painful. That's not tearing it. That's just it's inflamed. It hurts to walk. You feel like you're walking on the bones of your foot. If he tore his plantar fascia, he can't move his foot in a way to run. That's a season-ending injury if it's actually torn. If that's so the actual report, there's no way Tony Pollard plays the rest of the year. I mean, my, I trust Michael Gelkin big time. Some of these beat writers, you know, they, they could go and they could go run away or something like that. Michael Gelkin, from when I was a producer in fantasy sports radio to now even – he is one of, in my opinion, the most trusted sources, works his ass off too, gives very accurate descriptions. And he's saying that Ryan confirmed there, they're not ruling him out yet because apparently when you tear this thing, it starts with the healing process and everything like that. But here's the other issue with that. What, 
putting pressure on it's going to continue helping it heal. That's ass backwards. That makes no sense. I mean, the only way he plays is if they tape that thing with duct tape and give him, like, horse painkillers. You can not get COVID then, too. Oh, wait, that's something different. <laughs> and then, sorry, and sorry, then it I goes out there. I mean, <laughs> I guess theoretically their their argument is, well, he can't do any more damage, so as long as he can manage the pain, he can run on it. But, like, there's... How did he manage that pain? There's, it's painful. Like, I've never torn it, but I've had some pretty bad uh, plantar fasciitis attacks, and you, like, it literally feels like you're walking on the bones of your foot. And I'm not even like. There's no way I'm comparing myself to an NFL player. I don't run that fast. I don't like <laughs> have that much muscle mass, right? Like it's gotta hurt to have. And he already took himself out of the game last week after yeah, he was, tore it. So like, it was not, well, it was I mean, I, I, I guess what, guys? I mean, with this news, let's say he does play. With this news, even if he does play, which I, I don't see that happening, but if he does play. I mean, can we lock in 20 carries for Zeke now? Yes, I was going to say the long answer to your original question is now yay Zeke. Uh, probably going <laughs> down the stretch. Because, you know, they were giving him most like the inside runs, you know, between the tackles, and he wasn't doing much with him, and the outside stuff was going to Pollard, who was Hey, hey Brian, they, they could give C.D. Lamb some carries, too. It could, I would be fine with that. I have him on several rosters, but I think most of it will go to Zeke. Maybe Corey Clements will come in and, and pick up a few carries, but yeah, I am going to be adjusting the uh, projections for uh, Tony Pollard probably while we're speaking here. Now, speaking Whoa. of the other back, Ezekiel Elliott had an MRI scan earlier this week on his knee, and while it said it looked better, they still said it's three to four weeks away from being fully healed. And he goes, I'm not coming off the field for that time. They're going to have to like, basically take me to the bench to keep me off the field. So he's still going to be hampered, but the guy wants to play. So, you know, and Dallas is in a little bit of a fight here for for playoff positioning and whatnot. So they can't just put it all on Dak's shoulders, right? They're going to have to have a run game. So, yeah, I feel confident playing playing Zeke. And look, when they get closer to the red zone, they're still going to turn to Zeke. You still have touchdown upside. So even if... The wide receivers do much of the heavy lifting between the 20s. Zeke is still going to get his touches inside the red zone, which gives you the touchdown upside. Boom. There you go, all you Zeke investors that are freaking out and paranoid. This this injury naturally gives you guys a bump and should make you feel a little bit more secure. You know who you shouldn't feel secure about? The Seahawks backfield. It's a hodgepodge of crap. That's what it is. I respect the hell out of Adrian Peterson one of the biggest fans of his for years and years, but he's over the hill. He's not doing as much. I know he scored a touchdown, but yeah, what, 16 yards? What would he do? So he did that for the Titans and got cut. So, you know. yeah, I mean, Alex Collins hasn't looked good even when he was healthy at this point. Here's my question for you guys. We all know that Russell Wilson is mobile and it wasn't any lower body that he injured. It was the hand. So here's my question. At what point does he start taking off a little bit? Thus, we get a little bit more production out of the guy. I mean, I think it's going to be a fairly run-heavy game against Houston because Houston is so terrible. And apparently it looked like the Seahawks waited until they played my team to get good again, which was awesome. Thanks very much. 
but you know, I think they'll throw plenty in the first half, and I think it's going to be a lot of run, you know running in the second half. Collins is going to be back, and then you got Penny, and then you got DJ Dallas, and uh, I'm not really even going to count Travis Homer in that. I think he was in there because uh, uh, Collins being out. So you, oh, you mean like, the guy that had a seventy-something yard touchdown run last yeah, week? It was on a fake punt, but yes. Uh, I, I don't know how you trust any of them. Even in by Houston. the way, by the way, we we laugh at that. We laugh at that. But here's where the serious facts come in. And Ryan, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Very, very rude of me. More coal in my stocking. I but wasn't saying anything he, important. It's okay. <laughs> people will. Say, <laughs> people, people will box score, sir. You really are a funny guy. You know, but people, yes, people will see that and be like, oh, he's good. He's going to get more production. Look at what he did. And it was on one freaking fake. And unless you look between the headlines or further down than the headlines, people are going to think that this guy is going to be RB2 territory this week. Right, exactly. That's We've talked about this before. If you just box score surf. You go, oh, Travis Homer had a few carries and put up like 90-something yards and a touchdown. Okay, well, one of those came on a 78-yard fake punt, right? Like, it's the same thing with if you just box score surf the Bills-Patriots game and you go, the Patriots put up 200-something yards rushing, 41% of their rushing yards came on three carries in that game, right? So, like, if you box score it, that's why the Bills defenders – walked out of their press conference after that terrible question by the reporter because they were like look did you watch the game we stopped them on all but three plays and they broke through on those three plays congrats but like that's why you don't box score surf you have to watch some of these games to figure it out so back to yeah the, the Seahawks backfield sucks oh how am i'm gonna yeah. shut the hell up for the next five minutes now I really wasn't. I wasn't joking. I really wasn't saying it. Like I was just babbling about not liking any of the Seahawks running backs. I mean, it's even in a good matchup. Like, which one do you trust? I mean, Collins is coming up an injury. Penny, uh, probably the best of the bunch. But I have a feeling you're just gonna. It's gonna be split in a lot of different ways, and I'm not sure that any of them somehow out of this matchup are going to come out. You know, giving you a good fantasy game. It's like I like Tyler Lockett, uh, and I don't know what else I like in that game. Wilson and Lockett. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Metcalf is obviously good, but Lockett is, is, you know, the guy who's most producing. And I don't, I guess if I had to pick a name I've had, it would be Penny, but uh, boy, they just, none of them have been over that awe-inspiring this year. Yeah. By the way, to go with Hallam, even the Seahawks coaches don't know who to play because they basically split s- snaps evenly three ways last week, right? They were all in the 20 something snap range. So even the coaches don't know who to play. And I'm with, uh, if you read my game previews up on Fantasy Alarm, Tyler Lockett is my top play from the Seahawks. Uh, Houston stinks against, um, you know, wide receiver ones. That's basically what Lockett is at this point because he's just drawing more targets and more work than DK Metcalf. Um, not sure why, but that's the case, and I don't mind because I have Lockett on my fantasy roster. So let's go with Lockett. <laughs> and he gets the red zone work, and the Seahawks are still very efficient in the red zone. So. Yep. Matt Sells does the game previews on FantasyAlarm.com. And to bring a little bit more of a microscope viewpoint in there, Ryan Hallam does the wide receiver cornerback matchup report, too. And you can hear them both regularly on Alarm After Hours. Sells talking NASCAR. You know how much Ronis loves talking about Bush, Ronis. Sells asphalt. Yes, an asphalt. That's right. So (laughs) with that, guys, I mean, let's go to the family table here because we got to bring something. 
We're going to get another one in before Christmas holidays. We we don't sleep. We're no rest for the winners here, guys. So let's start with you, Mr. Hallam. What do you bring into the family table? I'm going to stick with fantasy football this week. And I'm going to say, since I think believe this is probably the last week in most leagues' regular season, even if you're out of it, set your lineup. Just to try, try to be the spoiler this week. Do what you can. Finish it out. I don't care if you're 1-13. and 13. Put the best lineup out there. Don't put guys on buys. Don't mail it in. Have a little pride. Try to win one more time. Stick it to your buddy that's that, you know, on the edge of the playoffs. Put a lineup in. Try to win. Do your best. Go out with some pride in yourself. Amen to that. It's, it's one of those things where it's not about you and your team. It's about keeping and upholding the integrity of the fantasy football league because you could be playing a team that's vying for a final playoff spot and it's unfair when you have a dead team because you don't care and look I, I've gone back and forth with different family members here and fantasy alarm family but this is one of the reasons why in my home league I installed a payout system for a high score of the week and it's actually worked out. And, and an argument that I often get against it is why why should people be incentivized on in setting their lineup? But a bigger one is, well, if the team sucks, what's going to make people more motivated to try to, to try to play it out? And I say that sometimes when you stick with the team, it gets hot at the tail end. You don't make the playoffs. But I got someone in my league right now that's just made back. Let's see, in the last few weeks from having two high scores, they're going to miss the playoffs. But they've made back nearly 40% of their entry fee through the high scores. And that's why it's there because I wanted everyone to set their lineups and you could take it away like training wheels, but people still like it. Every time I motion to take it away, people vote it down. They like it. So, you know, to each their own, but for all those out there that have trouble, that's a way to do it. Weekly high score payouts incentivize, at least in my experience with my league, incentivize fantasy players to still set their lineups and play to the end. It's money at the end of the day. Just and so even, money. And even it's just even if you're not out of it, it's still something to shoot for every week. It's because it, I do have a league that does that, it, and I play with the same group in pretty much every sport. And yeah, it's definitely something that it gives you a little extra whether you're in it or not. But definitely uh, uh, a nice, unless you're playing me, of course, this week. If for some reason yeah. we're in a league together. Please keep uh, Jonathan Taylor in your lineups. I'm going to go next, Brian, because I'm going to stick with fantasy football as well, and I'm going to talk to all the commissioners out there. And this is going to be a very unpopular opinion. Turn waivers off. The least you could do is turn waivers off for the consolation bracket. For all those that for some odd reason set a pay structure for the consolation bracket of the fantasy football postseason, absolutely asinine. And here's why. Look, yeah, people want to don't want to sit there for three weeks while half the league is playing in the playoffs. That's too damn bad. That's just how it goes. Not every team makes the playoffs. Here's the problem with the consolation pool. Because you have different league mates that are fighting for the actual championship, and it's muddying the waters in the waiver pool when you've got teams that are fighting for a little dinky payout or prize for the consolation pool or not to get in last place. And it takes opportunity away from those that are actually winning in the league. It's stupid. No more consolation BS. None of that. Dra- draft order for next year should not be based off the final standings. I win the league, so now I have to get last pick? Screw that. That's stupid. This consolation bracket is stupid. You you want to set your lineups fine. Here's what I would say, guys. I would say this. Turn off waivers, but keep the ability 
for people to set their lineups. But here's the problem. On Yahoo, unless I test it out, I don't know if people still being able to mess with their rosters mean they could still drop people if they wanted to. So because of that, I turn off roster movement, I turn off waivers, and then I get two or three people in my league every single year being like, dude, why can't I play it out? Because you're done. You lost. You're in the consolation pool. You lose. Good day. That's why. Because people are contending for a title that you can't get after, and you're ruining it. Stop with this consolation bullcrap. I'm done with it. And I don't want to justify it. I talked to half the analysts on Sirius XM. Oh, play till the end. Bull crap. I'm done with that. And I'm going to give this same freaking lecture on the radio in about oh, five days from now. On Loser's Day, right? That's a loser move. That's a loser of a fantasy football league. Especially with payouts and prizes on the line. Keeping a consolation tournament or keeping teams, allowing them to pick up players when the playoffs begin. Who cares? They're done. At least give the benefit of the doubt to the players that are still playing for the title. I'm done, guys. Completely agree. Um, I was actually the winner of my home league's consolation bracket like three years ago, and I never even set my lineup because I didn't even care. Because, like, there's nothing to play for, right? Like, you're in the consolation bracket. Why does it matter? I didn't even log in. Happened to be that I finished, I don't know, seventh in the league because I won the consolation. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. But never made roster moves. Never made waivers. Like, why are you going to go screw up? Like, can you imagine in the NFL if a team doesn't make the playoffs and they cut one of their players and then a team who's in the playoffs gets to pick up a starting quarterback or now a starting running back because – some other team wanted to screw up the pool. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why are you going to do it in fantasy football? Um, mine is also related to fantasy football. It was a tweet that I saw earlier this week that got a lot of traction and a lot of uh, – was about a 50-50 response, and I sent it to you guys earlier this week. If you are the number one seed in your, uh, you know, playoffs, your fantasy football playoffs, or I guess you get a buy. We could go either way. Should you be able to bank the points that you score on your bye week? And then if you score less than that in one of the remaining actual games of your playoffs, swap them out. So, like, let's say in a buy, because if I get the number two seed in my home league, I would get a buy. <clears throat> if I score, let's say, 130 points on bye week, and I only score 110 the actual week of the, the the first game of the playoffs, should I be able to swap those? That is the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my entire life. So, okay, so you're good enough to get the buy, and then your team craps the bed the first week, of, your, your first week of the playoffs. Sorry, you lose. There's no banking points. There's no, oh, I get credit for last week. What is it? It's like a participation trophy, for Christ's sake. No, you get because the points you got that Getting week. the buy isn't good enough. Getting in first place is not good enough. Getting a buy is not good enough because we need to pamper everybody and give them even more. No, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta win when it when your team is up. Sorry. Well, okay, I agree with that, but you're about to argue against it. Clearly, you don't. Yes, <laughs> I will say that if it was like you're standing on the sideline for every game and calling plays 
so your guys perform. That's one thing. However, it's freaking luck in fantasy football, okay. right? It's, and it always has been, and it always will be. Right, but here's my point. If you have navigated the waters well enough to be the number one seed, yep. you should at least get the benefit of the doubt that you know what you're doing and get credit for the week that your team doesn't actually have to beat somebody. Nope. You know what, Sells? Can I interrupt you for a second? And, and this is not me poking fun at what you're saying because, look, I like these ideas. If you're bringing up these ideas, clearly other people are talking about it too. This is why I give a payout double their entry fee for the regular season winner because of that, because of that luck factor. I make sure okay. that the regular season champion walks out of there with double their entry fee. I'm fine with, I'm fine with that as a substitute, but in leagues that don't pay the regular season winner, <laughs> you should give the, the person that won the league a fighting shot to make. So, Wait a second! You're already, the, you're already you're already the best team in the league, and you need, handi- you need a handy you need a handicap against a team that was three four games worse than you. You already are the better team. That's like you putting a point guys. spread on it. I mean, I mean, hold on. I have been in leagues where a team went undefeated in the in the regular season, got the bye, and their team absolutely crapped the bed in the first. So game let me that ask you played. this. And a team that made it on total points because there was a tiebreaker, even though they were under 500, wound up beating them because it was their best week of the year. Is that how you want a title to be determined? The, yes. the actual best team yes. did come close? Yes. If they didn't perform in the championship. So the Patriots were 19-0 and going against the Giants. They didn't bank points that they got from the division round to beat the Giants. Like, if I was the fourth seed and I came up and I beat the number one seed and I lost because he scored more points the week before, I would be so pissed. It wouldn't be funny. Like, oh, I beat you. I beat the best team this week, but I lose because they scored more points last week? I'm red in the face. Just think about it. You guys can see me. I, I couldn't imagine... If I beat the number one seed and you're like, sorry, they scored more points last week, you lose. I would effing lose it. I would okay, effing lose it. Okay, now hold on. What do, you think about leagues? what do you think about leagues that do a two-week I like that's fine. I'm good with that, too. To not to take away some of the luck factor, yeah. I, I, I'm, right, I'm fine so what if one team absolutely houses the other one and then coasts the second week and their team does crap, but the other one doesn't score enough to win? Isn't that a handicap? It's, Isn't it's that doing the average. same thing? I mean, it's, that's even that, that's even showing that you're a better team if you beat it over a two week average. I don't even. I'm not like talking average. I'm talking total points. Well, I mean, I just, you, it's not the mat. It's cells. That's too much. The buy should be enough for the first place. And by the way, for those with payouts, you should be paying out the regular season champ in fantasy football. You just should. It's. I agree. I would yeah. agree with that. Because it's not easy. It's not easy getting the oh. one seed in a fantasy football league. And I respect that. And I also respect the fact that injuries happen and COVID happens so frequently, especially that half your teams on the COVID list and hurt because of one bad week. You know, yeah, that sucks. But again, this is why we should be rewarding. I'm, I'm all about raising the entry fee even a little bit so you can pay out more if you can. And that, I think, along with, just so everybody knows, we've been talking about this a lot. 
besides the grand champion in second place overall in the league, I pay out the points winner. I pay out the regular season winner. And then I have weekly payouts for weekly high score. And the reason I did that, obviously, as I explained before, was so that those would still continue setting their lineups. But sells, you already get the buy with the one seed. Come on, man. You, you got to have more. It's, it's not, not good like, enough for you. <laughs> yeah, but here's the problem. It's not like your players are actually resting. What happens if during the buy, your key guys get injured and then you're screwed? It's the same thing that happened to the guy that that played the week before. Yeah. That's fantasy football. I mean, it's a right, but like if but, they don't and you're going to lose to a 6-18 and eat through on a tiebreaker. I forgot who it was. I think it was two years ago. May it was it, it – I don't know if it was Derrick Henry or someone else. Maybe it was even his backup. I don't know what happened. But someone got sick on a Saturday. Someone got sick. And all of a sudden, I remember I was on the air. They were downgraded immediately to, like, doubtful. Somebody else brought up on the practice squad. That can just happen, man. Now, there was another idea that was surfaced in the comments quite commonly, which was oh once you go to the playoffs, head-to-head -head should end – and it should simply be a battle of points oh, okay. for the next few weeks. So, like, the top six that. seeds make it like they normally would, or four seeds or whatever your league is. But instead of going, you know, one and two get a bye and three plays six and whatever, those six teams don't get buys. They just tally up the points, and the team with the most points at the that end was, of, like, the three-week playoff wins, and then the team with the second most that's how kind of the fishbowl playoffs are a little bit along those lines. So that's I don't fine mind also. That. You're, you're taking the head to head element out, meaning that it's everybody's right. face up, or you can even do it like this where you have maybe in the quarterfinals round, you would have, you know, you have your six teams in there and maybe in the quarterfinals, the top four go to the semis and then the top two or right. three. That's go to what the some other people said was like, yeah, bless you, Ryan. I saw you. Steve. I don't know why it wasn't on. It's like, it's a podcast. I don't know why I addressed that, but now everybody knows you sneezed. So because, and I, and I'm almost partial to that one because it takes the luck out of the matchup, right? Like yeah, if you I'm two play each like other that. and one of you wins 81 to 80, and I have to score 145 points to beat the worst seed because they have their best week. That's not fair to me to have to score 60 more points to make it the same place you only had to score 80. So I like that so better than, than the banking points. I like that better we've than talked, the banking points idea. We've talked about the frustration that is all the time, especially in the semifinals. I see it in the most in the semifinals where we have one matchup that sells, like you mentioned, is like 85 to 82. And then the other one is like 150 to 133. And it's like the dude with which I've been on that side with 133 is like, great. I, I wish I was on that side. So, yes. And by the way, what you're describing is kind of a guillotine format. I am all about guillotine leagues. I think they are fun as hell. They're not easy. You got to be careful with your waiver budget, but at least running playoffs in that regard, I am totally down for that. We will be back next week for another wild episode of the Family Times podcast here. Maybe Cells will bring another brain buster of an idea about how to, quote, improve fantasy football. For Ryan Howell, give him a follow on Twitter, at Fighting Chance. For Matt Sells, at The Sells Man, also known as the Schwab of Sports. I am Justin Fensterman, and again, always dominate because no other option, and us as a family, we will get you there. We will win.